Outdoor Edge introduces the all-new Razor Guide Pack. Coming in at 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the Razor Guide Pack has it all. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Land Company. Here you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight because here we go. What's up, my podcast people? I hope all you guys are doing good. Welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast. I'm feeling jazzed. I just downed a chocolate cupcake before I started recording, so I'm feeling very, very good. And man, I I feel like I've had to say this way too much the last couple weeks, but I hope all you guys are safe and sound. Um, We had another terrible round of storms come in a few days ago. I saw some just horrific looking pictures online. It looked like uh, the Sahara Desert in central Oklahoma. We got another line of storms coming through tonight. So, man, just I hope everybody's staying safe. And, uh, man, I hope all these storms are behind us. I know it's spring. It's not even tornado season yet. But uh, this has just been pretty ridiculous the last couple weeks. So, hope everybody's safe. Thank you guys for tuning in. We have a great show tonight. We are doing part three, which is also the fourth episode because of weird technical difficulties of the What Did You Learn uh, podcast series. And so, yeah, we got a good one. But before we get to that, I got a little bit of an update. Uh, Last weekend, pretty much just stayed home all weekend, uh, hung out with the baby, hung out with my wife, uh, had a grand old time. But this coming weekend, my wife is going to be out of town again. She's going on a little girl's trip, uh, which is awesome. Very, very, very happy for her. She needs it. But, uh, so I thought this weekend, as far as outdoorsy type stuff, was going to be a little bit of a waste, but, uh, talked to my mom a day or two ago and found out she's actually planning to head to the ranch, which means I can also head to the ranch and she can do a little bit of babysitting for me. So yeah, that's the plan. I'm going to be back on the dozer. Very excited about that. Uh, my plan is to, first, I'm going to do my dozer line around the canyon, uh, man, I, I measured out the acreage. Uh, I think it worked out to 48 acres. I don't remember how long of a fire line that is, but it's pretty darn long. And so got a, got a lot of a uh, fire line to make. And then, uh, if I get that done, then I might do a little bit more work in my bedding areas. I got two areas that I want to do some more clearing. Uh, it'd be nice to, you know, get a little bit more fuel on the ground so that when I burn, uh, torches it all up, kind of clears some of the big bulky stuff and, uh, makes room for some nice, uh, just awesome natural brows and cover and all that good stuff to pop up. So that's the plan for this weekend. Uh, oh, last weekend I did, I forgot. I, I got to catch a fish. I actually caught five fish, five bass. Uh, that was super fun. I just kind of threw the pole in the back of my truck, uh, got off work a little bit early on, I think it was Thursday, and uh, just stopped by a little farm pond, caught four or five bass real quick, and then headed home. Uh, so that was fun. So, you know, got to scratch my itch a little bit on the fishing thing. Uh, I'm dying to get the lake, uh, get to the lake, get my boat out on the lake. That has not happened yet, but I did 
uh, plugged the batteries in the other day, made sure they're good to go. Uh, yeah, boat battery's still good. Trolling motors battery's still good. So good to go there. Just got to find some time to actually get out on the water. Um, so yeah, still got to do that. But like I said, going to be running the dozer this weekend. Super excited about that. Might do a little bit of shed. What's today? Today is uh, mid-February. Might be, it's getting close to be uh, you know, shed hunting time. Uh, I keep hearing more and more uh, people saying about how they've found a bunch of sheds already or some bucks have shed early. Actually, we talked about uh, one in this episode that uh, shed real early. Um, but yeah, so ready to get out there, find some sheds. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a great time of year. I'm feeling super energized. Today was like a nice sunny day, even though the last couple of days have been pretty gross and supposedly tonight's supposed to be gross, but Anytime it's good, sunny weather, I'm usually going to be in a pretty good mood. And when I get a chocolate cupcake, it just puts it over the top. So, so yeah, that is about it. Uh, oh, one more time, I do want to throw out the Backwoods show. I think this might be the last episode that comes out before the show. We might have one more. But uh, again, not having a booth this year, but I am going to be there. So uh, if you're there, hit me up on Instagram, uh, find me, and uh, yeah, I'd love to meet you. I'd love to talk a little bit, chat about whatever. Um, yeah, I love meeting you guys, and uh, it's been really fun. You know, the more I do this, the more interactions I get with uh, listeners and stuff, and I absolutely love it. it. It really does make my day when you guys, you know, send me messages or or flag me down or whatever. So if you see me, be sure to say hi. Um, what else? That, I think, is about all I have. We have a nice long episode episode this week. Uh, today we're talking to, uh, yet again, returning guest, Mr. Josh Garut. This, uh, I think, is his fourth time on. He's been on twice solo, and then uh, once, I think it was episode 99, I think, I did with him and uh, Johnny. Uh, so yeah, Josh is on again. And Josh had a little bit of a different season this year. So the, in the previous episodes he's done, uh, Josh is a, a is a mostly a ground hunter. Uh, he does he goes to Kansas a lot, Iowa a lot. Uh, but this year he did not draw either of those states, and so he was kind of uh, I wouldn't say put on his heels. He still hunts uh, you know some here in Oklahoma, but this year that's all he had. And so he talks about. Uh, his lease, and uh, it's kind of more of the mountainous area, which is really cool. And he just kind of talks about like he was forced to learn a bunch this year because he was a little bit out of his element, and so that just fit right in with the "What Did You Learn" series we've been doing. So great conversation. I came up with a few more myself. Uh, Josh came up with a few, and uh, I think y'all are really going to enjoy this. And so as far as I know, I think this is going to be the last one, at least deer related for this year. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see, but I think this is probably going to close it out. Um, y'all are probably ready for me to move on to something else. And so I like to, you know, give a little bit of variety. So anyway, yeah, episode, uh, or part number three here. Hope you guys are ready for it because we're going to get into it after a quick word from our partners right after this. Although we've had some crazy weather the last few weeks, things are finally warming up and that means it's time to get on the water and do a little fishing. If you're looking to try something a little different this year, you need to check out Private Water Fishing. Private Water Fishing is a subscription-based website that gives you access to over 100 private lakes across Oklahoma and Texas. Y'all have heard me say it before, but these are not just little ponds. These are large, 10-plus acre, well-managed lakes that you get all to yourself. So go to privatewaterfishing.com and get fishing. Y'all have heard me talk about how useful Deer Lab is for tracking down those big bucks on your property, but its usefulness doesn't stop there. You can use Deer Lab for all kinds of critters, including hogs and turkeys. 
So just because it's spring doesn't mean it's time to put those cameras away. You can collect those photos, upload them to Deer Lab, and use all the same advantages you use to keep tabs on those trophy bucks to hunt down that big boar or strutting tom. Give it a look at DeerLab.com and don't forget to use code OKLAHOMAOUTDOORS when you sign up. There is truly no place like the great outdoors in Oklahoma. When you're out in the wild, you want your wireless devices to work. Unlike other carriers, Bravado Wireless believes that coverage in rural areas is important so that you stay connected. With competitively priced plans and coverage where you need it, the mission of Bravado Wireless is to keep you connected no matter where you are. Visit bravadowireless.com or check them out at one of their retail locations. Bravado Wireless, the power of connection. Deer season is over, and now is a great time to pick up that property you've been dreaming about before next season. If you're looking to buy or sell a piece of property, give the hardworking agents at Arrowhead Land Company a call. Their vast experience and knowledge of the state gives them a huge advantage when it comes to buying or selling your property. Their agents stretch to all corners of Oklahoma, and they are quickly growing their team in other states as well. That's Arrowhead Land Company, hardworking agents for hardworking landowners. Hey everybody, welcome to today's show, and today we have returning guest Josh Garut. How you doing, Josh? Doing good, John. How you been, man? Uh, doing pretty good, pretty good. Ready to uh, knock out another great episode, and uh, you've been on how many times now? I believe I believe this makes four. I think I did two solo, and then I did one with uh, John Griffin. That's right. That's right. I forgot about that one. And uh, for those of you listening, y'all probably remember Josh. He uh, usually is on here talking about hunting off the ground. Uh, the first time you were on, I know that was you know one of my uh, most listened to episodes. And when I had you back on, people loved it. And so decided to bring you on again. Uh, but today we're going to change things up just a little bit, or, or at least I think so. I don't know. We may get into some ground stuff, but uh, we're going to continue part three of my What Did You Learn series. And so we're going to both be on here. We're going to talk about our previous season, things we did right, things we did wrong. Uh, so yeah, who knows where this will go, but, uh, real quick, Josh, in case somebody's listening to this and they didn't catch the other episodes, why don't you just give us a little bit about yourself? Okay. Um, I'm Josh Garut. Um, I live in Muskogee, Oklahoma. Um, I love to bow hunt and that's my passion. Um, spotting, stalking Kansas. That's where I love to be. If I can, if I draw and that's a little bit about me. Gotcha. Awesome. I know I mention this every time I have you on that I've you know had a point in Kansas for years and years and uh, but I haven't actually got up there and hunted. I actually checked like last week or something. I was kind of going over all my you know preference point stuff and I saw I, I actually looked up because I thought it expired. My my point is still good. I think if I don't use it this year. It'll. I think they expire after five years, and so if I don't use really? it this year, I, I didn't. I didn't know that. I'm. I'm. I think I'm right on that. You know that. That's what I looked up five years ago. I didn't double check it this time. Uh, so yeah, but yeah, I, I several years ago I just bought one just for the heck of it. I, even though I knew I wasn't going to go that year because I know, you know, with yep. you know, with no with no points, I want to say nowadays it's around fifty fifty. I think. Um, but I think if you have one point, it's almost a hundred percent guarantee. Yeah. I think it's going to start for Kansas is going to start taking at least two points in here in the next two years. I bet. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, see, I got to get up there now for it, uh, before it gets crazy. <laughs> but anyway, we're not here to talk about that today. I just had to throw that little tidbit out, but 
like I said, we're gonna we're gonna jump into the "What Did You Learn" series, and so uh, this is my uh, this is my third one to do with a guest, and then last week I kind of did a a different one where I I looked at kind of my whole eighteen year uh, white tail hunting career and uh, kind of went a little further back, but uh, but yeah, this week uh, basically, but what I'm trying to say is if I'm stretching a couple of these, you know, I've been learning a lot the last few episodes, and so uh, so yeah, that's but. Well, cool, man. Well, I'll, uh, I'll quit rambling on. We'll jump into this. And so uh, I'll kick us off here. And uh, this one, uh, I came to realize uh, earlier last week, um, it's something that I've been doing for the last couple of years, but I just uh, kind of realized it last week. I was watching a, a video by Bill Winky, actually, and I love Bill. Um, he's yes. just so much knowledge. Um but he was talking about how you should never hunt your best spot. And he was doing like a consulting thing. I think he was actually in Kansas uh, with a client and stuff. And uh, and I, I didn't really get what he meant at first until he started started explaining. And I realized that I've kind of been doing this the last couple of years. But what he meant is, you know, wherever your farm is or, yeah, wherever you're hunting, whether that's, you know, 80 acres or 1,000 acres, it doesn't really matter wherever the deer you know like really want to be really feel comfortable basically you don't want to hunt that spot like you want to let the deer have that so that they continue to feel comfortable there and everything and you need to hunt the outsides uh you know hunt 200 yards out you know 100 yards out depending on the terrain however it is and and when he said that it kind of registered with me that i've you know kind of accidentally been doing this so with our uh place that i hunt now I, I'm always talking about the canyon. It's this rough area in the back. Uh, we usually, we actually fenced it off so the cows can't get back there. And it's just a spot where, uh, you know, it's not easily accessible. The deer feel really natural. And the first year we had this place, uh, I put a feeder, like, in the heart of the canyon. And I remember, like, I got very little uh, activity on that feeder that year. And so, and after ob- observing and stuff, I'd always see deer kind of on the, on the rim of it. So the next year, I moved that feeder back a couple hundred yards, kind of right on the edge. And uh, I'd get lots of, lots of pictures of deer, but when I went to hunt it, I still just wasn't really seeing deer. Uh, and so the next year, I moved it even further out. And that would have been about two two years ago or something. And uh, the last two years, I've had way more success uh, being further out, You know, basically letting the deer have their area where they're completely natural, they feel comfortable, uh, there's no human presence in there. And then basically I just kind of have to put in the time, bide my time, wait for the right conditions, hunt further out and kind of let them come to me. And I've been way, way more successful that way. So, so my first tip is don't hunt your best spot. Yeah. I, uh, on our, on our lease this year, we, and, uh, this is our second year to have it. So we hunted, uh, I guess this past season and the season before, which mm-hmm. we got it like October, right at October 1st. So we really didn't get to do much or know much about it. So this, this whole season, this past season, we, I was down there all October. I didn't draw Kansas or Iowa. So I was there all November pretty much. And we have a place we call the sanctuary mm-hmm. and there's no stands in it. Uh, we have no feeders or anything in it. We have some feeders that are kind of close. Like you said, a couple hundred yards away or so. And basically everybody stays out of there. We don't go in there. We can we drive around it you know, on our road. But as far as going down in there and hunting and in human presence, we don't we don't go in there. And it holds a lot of bucks. A lot of bucks come in there and get doe and take them out. And then that's mm-hmm. we hunt them when they leave. It's kind of like what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. I think that's great. And uh, 
but you also, you know, you want to make sure it's good habitat, not just habitat that you want to stay out of. You know, a lot of people, and I'm not saying y'all do this, just saying, you know, a lot of people are like, mm-hmm, oh, mm-hmm. I have this, I have this thick area or this swamp yes. area and stuff. So that's yeah. going to be my sanctuary because I can't get in there anyway. You want to make sure that it's also, you know, good habitat and a good spot for the deer to be. So, yes. yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. The food, water, bedding. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. You want them to have all their needs and just, yeah, the, the human intrusion is a big part of it also. So, yeah. yeah. And a lot of times, a lot of times people are getting close and they say, well, I'm hunting close, but I'm not getting in there. What they don't realize they're getting close, too close mm-hmm. and they're not, they don't realize that they're too close and they're busting the big boy out of there and they don't know it. And they're like, man, I haven't seen him. This bug, I haven't seen this buck in a while. Well, they're, mm-hmm. they probably pushed him with the wrong wind or something and they don't, and they just didn't know that they have. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, the closer you get, the more picky you have to be about your wind because even, you know, even if the wind isn't necessarily blowing like from you to the feeder or you to, you know, the food plot or whatever, you know, if your wind is blowing from you into that area where the deer are going to come out of, you're still affecting it, even though you might not see them, you know, react to it, you know, in the food plot or feeder or whatever, you know, if your wind is still blowing in there, you're still affecting it in a negative way. Oh, hundred percent. And I've been, I've been guilty of it hunting too, probably too close and not seeing the bucks that I want, I should be seeing. And, and they're probably smelling me going right around me. I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah, so that's uh that's number one for me. What about you? What are you going to kick us off with? Man, I'm going to kick off with something. Um, it's not necessarily has to do with like the actual hunting during the season. This is going to pertain to what's coming up right now. And, and like with, with our lease that we just got, we've been big into feeding hardcore uh, protein and mineral like all year round mainly through like the summer time uh, when they're growing and stuff and what i've been doing a lot of research on and reading about is is um their sheds what can their sheds show you can they show you anything mm-hmm. helpful as far as just like hey this is the buck i got last year this is what he was this year let's measure him and see how much he grew so i've been reading some stuff and if you find a shed and you look at the bottom of it and you see like the calcium build up underneath on the on the uh the butt of it, mm-hmm. if if the calcium is is not sticking up and it's got like a like a oval in it and it's it's kind of it's below the burr, it means that your deer was either sick, had an injury, or he's not getting the nutrients and protein and minerals that he needs. But if it's if it stick like the shed I'm looking at right now, if it sticks up above the burr, it's got a big round round oval on top, not not sunk down below the burr. Um, it means that your deer are healthy. They're getting them nutrients, protein that, that they're getting. So I'm going to use that this year. Um, so I look back. I went and got some of the sheds that I found last year that was prior to us having a lease that we found. And a lot of the a lot of the sheds had the oval in them. They were they were uh, sunken in. They weren't above the burr. They were real low. And some of the sheds I've already found this year. Actually, I found a couple sheds the last day of deer season, January 15th. Um, and uh, these bucks have been on our protein all year, and they are above the burr and uh, are health- healthy. So hmm. now with the bucks starting to shed, I'm ready to get out there for shed season just to find to find the sheds and find what bucks, you know, hey, are these bucks in this area? Are they doing good versus over here? Do I need to get more mineral over here type of stuff and just see if my herd's doing healthy. Um, hmm. And I've never, I've never heard anybody talk about that or seen anybody do it. And I, I just come across this article and I started reading on it. And so I went down a rabbit hole on it 
So that's another thing that you guys can use to help manage your herd and see if they're getting or getting the protein nutrients that you that you think that they are, and they might not be when you think that they are. Mm-hmm. So, man, that's just, yeah, I've never heard that either. Uh, you know, I've heard like if you if you have like a a weird pedicle and stuff, sometimes that can mean like an injury or you know it broke off and didn't fall off type thing. But yeah, I've never heard that about uh, being able to kind of judge the health of your deer. That's super helpful. Yeah, I never know that. So I got all my sheds. I started looking, man, and I was saying, okay, yeah, this one is way. This was way below it. This one's above it. You know, when you start looking at different states and stuff, and it, it's kind of it's it, it's a it's pretty cool. Yeah, it was yeah. a cool read. I was, I wished I I wished I knew where I found that article and where I started reading about it, and I, yeah. so I could get there to go to go read on it. But and that's yeah. an that would be a very helpful tip for us that we're gonna we're gonna use our lease. Um, we feed protein and mineral year round, so that's gonna help us that if it's helping you know our deer herd mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh, you know mineral especially is not that expensive for people to to do on their properties uh one thing i've found uh years and years ago i tried to buy like a bag of like granular mineral mineral and uh, yep. I discovered that the hogs love that stuff. I, <laughs> yeah, I, but... <laughs> I, I know I have the picture somewhere. I have a picture. Like the day I poured it out, I have a picture of this little bitty, like probably 20-pound hog, like rubbing his butt in it and his mouth. Like he just looks like he's having the best time of his entire life. You know, and, and I mean they like, you know, a group got on it and they had that stuff eaten down in like a day. Uh, so for me, down where I'm at with a, in a big hog area, I always use the blocks. Uh yeah, you know, like even the either the square ones that come or the oh gosh, what's the the natural one that's super popular? Trophy rock. Um, trophy I've, rock. I've, yep. I've, I've had a lot of success with trophy rocks. So just for anybody listening, if you're in a hog area, you might want to go with a block and not a not a bag. Yeah, we have a lot of hogs. We had to build. Um, we built panels around all of our feeders mm-hmm. and uh, yep. keep the hogs and the cow and the cows out. We're gonna I'm gonna we're gonna try something a little different this year. Um, I went to a deer farm and talked to, talked to a couple guys and, you know, trying to get, you know, what protein do we need to be feeding, what all we need to be feeding. And, and the main thing that they told me was in the summer months, they need lots of calcium and copper. They said copper promotes antler growth by making the blood vessels uh, bigger, open up wider. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's what they feed in the summer times and stuff. So we're going to try to pour as much calcium and, and um, copper to them. Not, you got to watch your copper limits. So they said, we've been doing some research on it, hmm. but there's some stuff, there's some stuff called, um, it's called supercharger supplement. It's by big B feeds out of McAllister. And, hmm. um, he said that he recommends feeding that. Hmm. He gotcha. said that, he said that without, without being able to mix your own copper and stuff and get, get it right. He said that stuff's got all the, pretty high cast got a high calcium rate and a high mm-hmm. copper rate with it so he said recommend us trying that so we're, we're going to try feeding that with our mixing that with our feed this year and see how it does with our feed and uh have it on the ground as well for them and all of our feeders gotcha very cool i, I think i mentioned that jogging my memory when uh me you and johnny were on that uh i used to feed uh dairy pellets because they're super high yeah. in calcium you know to help cows produce milk um, and, mm-hmm. but I fed, I fed some this last summer and it was only about a dollar cheaper than actual protein. So I don't know if that's a, you know, for that price, yeah, you cal- might as well just spend the money and get all the other good stuff as well. Yeah. Calcium, calcium has gotten a, a lot higher. I used to buy it like, like how you, like how you were feeding it and, uh, mm-hmm. feed it a lot cheaper. Now it's just gone up in price like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. uh, 
gosh, that would have been about four, four or five years ago. I think I was only paying about seven fifty a bag, something like that, and you know, so it's wow. pretty much doubled now. Yeah. So. Yeah, I want to say this supercharger stuff is like, um, like thirty something dollars a bag, but you don't, you don't only mix, you only mix a little bit at a time with your feed gotcha. or on the ground. You don't, you're not going to yeah. feed, you're not going to feed a bag of this stuff every week or every mm-hmm. other week. You know. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well, very cool. That's a, yeah, great tip with the sheds. So, all right. Uh, number two for me, uh, this one should be pretty self-explanatory, but, uh, uh, it's hunt for yourself and your own goals. Um, that's something I've struggled with a little bit since starting the podcast and kind of being, you know, just more people following along with my hunts and sharing and, and, and I enjoy that and I love it, but I have to fight that line of, you know, basically hunting the way I want to hunt and killing the deer that I want to kill versus what I think I should be killing or the way I should be hunting, you know, because people are watching and yeah, uh, you need footage and you need content. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. And I know you do a bunch of filming, so I'm sure you feel that too. Um, and kind of the example I have this year is, uh, so I, I killed a really nice buck with my muzzle loader this year. Uh, this is like my, I'd say my third year, you know, kind of really muzzle loader hunting. And, uh, I got to hunt very little in November because, you know, I had the baby and everything and I was going on my elk hunt. So I was trying to kind of save up the brownie points. Um, but I went up, I think I got to, I think I only sat with a rifle in Oklahoma, like two days this year. I think I did uh, a morning, an evening and a morning. And that evening that I was hunting, uh, I had just sighted my rifle in to go on my elk hunt. I had sighted in at 300 yards I was hunting that evening, and I had a super nice eight-point walk out. He, the, the closest he got was about 350. He was Most of the time, he was at about 400, but big, nice eight-point. Um, and I was sitting there. you know, Like I said, I was, I was comfortable. Normally, I wouldn't feel so good about shooting that far, but I'd just been practicing. I'd sighted in my rifle and stuff. Uh, but just the more I looked at him, you know, I've been fortunate. I've, I've killed a lot of really nice eights, and... I, that year, you know, that would have been my second buck with a with a gun and, and not a bow, and I usually like to kind of save one tag for the bow, and so mm-hmm. I ended up letting that deer walk. Um, and you know, it would have been really easy for me to to kill that deer and say I filled both my buck tags and you know pictures for Instagram and everything, but I just knew that if I killed another, you know, one thirty five ish eight point with a rifle, that it I just wasn't going to be happy with it. You know, like I was going to be filled with regret. Yeah. And I had nicer deer running around, um, and so I ended up letting that deer walk. Um, and you know, ten years ago, I would have been ecstatic with that deer. Like I said, <laughs> I mean, you know, most most people would, uh, but just in that moment, uh, you know, with that weapon at that distance, it just it just didn't do it for me. You know, like I like getting deer in close. I like feeling like I tricked them or you know outsmarted them and stuff. Yeah. And and I just mm-hmm. didn't have that feeling right then. You know, and. I, it, it, you know, I, I tried to kind of think about it later. I was like, you know, if that deer would have been at a hundred yards, like would I have felt differently about it? I don't know. Maybe I would have, uh, but just in the moment I wasn't feeling it, but I, I just want to encourage people listening, especially like younger or newer hunters that are listening to this. Uh, cause I fell into that as a kid. Like I, I, I like, I didn't kill my first deer with a bow until I was like 22 or 23, even though I started hunting with a bow at like 17, and it was because, you know, I could have shot does, I could have shot yearlings or two-year-olds, but I just, I was like, oh, like, you have to kill a big buck, because I was reading the magazine articles and seeing it on TV and stuff, 
and I and I I hurt myself because I didn't get that experience of you know actually yeah. killing you know drawing on deer and shooting deer and everything. Um, so yeah, man, if it makes you happy, shoot it. Yeah, exactly, man. People get that. You make a good point, man. People get caught up too much in the Instagram and the Facebook and the social media stuff. And I didn't kill a deer this year, and I have a ton of people, dude. You, you didn't kill a deer. You didn't. You mean you always kill big bucks? You didn't kill a deer. I'm, I'm like, you know, I don't. You know, I don't have to kill a deer, and I'm trying to film and make footage, and you know, I need footage from my YouTube channel and mm-hmm. all that stuff. But, but yet, I'm not just going to shoot a buck to get footage because that's not why I hunt or who I am. You know, I have a a certain a level of deer that I'm after, or you know, maturity that I'm after, and I've been fortunate enough like you, and I've killed a lot of these young, younger deer when I was younger growing up with my dad to hunt and. And, you know, some people didn't don't, didn't have that chance or don't have that chance. Man, take shoot some doe, shoot some younger bucks. You know, like you said, draw your bow back, shoot a couple with your bow or muzzleloader or rifle. It doesn't matter how big it is. If it makes you happy and you get you pumped up, man, sh- shoot that deer, fill your freezer. Mm-hmm. It's too easy to get caught up, caught up in the in the social media fame and all that posting and tagged out stuff. I mean, it's it's too easy to get caught up in it. Just have fun. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's my number two. What about you? What's what's the next one for us? Man, so like the last probably four, five, six, seven years, the last long long time, I, I've been I mainly hunt out of state. I don't really hunt Oklahoma that much, or a little bit. Um, we, we've had some leases, got them where we wanted, lost them. So this so this year is the first year that I've really had a, another a lease that I could be down there for the entire summer uh, and be there to hunt all November. And so Southeast Oklahoma, you know, it's, we, we have like probably a 500 foot elevation change throughout our property that we have. Nice. So it's big, big rolling hills, mountain bucks. And, um, I haven't really, I don't really, you know, how I hunt in Kansas and stuff through November, you know, spot and stock is completely different to tree stand hunting. So running trail cameras this summer, I stumbled upon a, um, what I thought when I seen it, because of how how new and fresh the brake looked on the on a uh, on this limb, I was like man, that's that's a year round licking branch. Mm-hmm. So I, I went and got a trail camera, stuck on it, set it on video, and I put a little feed out to the north of it, and I let it set for a couple weeks. And man, oh man, did I start getting the bucks on camera that uh, with, with these bucks that we're getting on camera weren't on any of our feeders, and these bucks were all bigger than any buck that we've ever seen out there, and they were hitting just they were hit the feed a little bit. But mainly they were hitting that licking branch hmm. like once every two or three weeks. And if I would, I should have, I should have stayed in that area and hunted that licking branch and stuff a lot more because those big miniature bucks were coming through there like every two or three weeks to hitting that licking branch, making their scrapes down that road. And, um, I've never hunted, you know, around, around the licking branch like that or seen one like that, you know, I, you know how I used to hunt and, I hunted a flat that the year before last when I was in November, when I was in Kansas, November, or had a ton of bucks hitting this flat. And, uh, I should have pulled off that flat and started hunting that licking branch a lot more, that, that kind of sign more than, than hunting that, which that's going to get me into my next, my next one. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I don't want to get, too, I don't want to get too far, but, yeah. but, uh, man, just like the early sign like that, those licking branches and stuff, how key they are. And I, I've, 
I've seen videos and I watched a lot of videos and I know that they're, they're key and stuff, but I didn't understand, really understand it completely until I've seen it with my own eyes and how even late season, how these bucks are coming through there, checking those licking branches and checking that even early season, mid season during, even during the rut and even late season, those big bucks are coming through there hitting that same licking branch, that same, you know, almost the same time time zone as they were early season. It's, it was pretty cool to see that with my own eyes. Mm-hmm. So now going into next year, I'm going to focus on uh, like that licking branch and try to find a few more in some of the areas that I found and, and focus hunting those air outskirts of those areas where they're coming from mm-hmm. into there. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's all. That's one thing that it's kind of cool about hunting the area I've been hunting is, yeah, you get a lot of that. Uh, our old place, man, there was this one old logging road that if you walk down there, you know, the end of October, early November, you could probably count 30 scrapes along this logging road. It was only about 150, 200 yards long. I mean, any time there was a branch over this road, they'd be hitting it. Um, I learned yep. quite a bit about a, you know, the place I hunt now, we don't have very many big trees, so you don't see that many scrapes. But uh, I did a little bit of hunting on public this year on a place that's pretty close to us. And, uh, yeah, it was cool. I, I ended up setting up two cameras out there. Uh, I, I took one originally, set it up on what I thought was an old, you know, kind of hub scrape. And then I went back the next week to, I took a, another camera with me and I went to check that one. And like in that one week, I mean, I think it was a Saturday to a Saturday. I bet I counted, oh gosh, I don't know, another at least dozen rubs that had popped up just in that one, you know, little time frame. And I should have been in there hunting. I ended up, that was actually the weekend I killed my buck with the muzzleloaders that last weekend of October. Um, but yeah, that, that last week of October especially, like that can be a, a fantastic strategy of hunting those licking branches, the scrapes, uh, you know, reading that just natural sign. Because those deer, that time of year, they're laying it down and they're moving between it and they're checking them, you know, seeing who else is in the area. So yeah, that can be a great strategy that time yes. of year for sure. And I noticed, I noticed kind of in later into the rut when they're looking for more does, they're they're hitting that they're hitting that licking branch a lot more. Mm-hmm. In the later into the rut, looking they're searching for does, hitting that a lot more. And the, yeah. uh, there was a day I was going down there to hang a stand. I was going to hunt, but I ha- and uh, some guys that are on our lease from Georgia were coming in that morning, so I couldn't hunt. I couldn't go down there and hunt. I had to be back to show them around and, and help. I wanted to help them get set up. Because they were only going to be there a week, so I wanted them to have the best, you know, opportunity to kill a deer. So I was going to help them. So I ended up not going down there and, and putting a stand. And when I in, did get down there and put a stand, we found that cat kill down there, and so that oh, yeah. messed every that messed everything up. Mm-hmm. And uh, you probably seen me post about it, the cat mm-hmm. kill and stuff. Um, and then they then they had a trail camera. A guy had a trail camera five miles north of there, a big mountain lion. Probably like a couple weeks after I posted that. The next night after he posted it, they actually some coon hunters that uh, that were on the property that uh, so that the people that own our lease own a big property right around us too. Mm-hmm. At the east end of their property, a couple miles from us, they treed the mountain lion the coon hunting the next night. That'd be quite a surprise. <laughs> so, so it was uh, that later later into the season that that kind of messed my that kind of pushed a lot of the big bucks out. I didn't really see them on camera down there in the late mm-hmm. season after that cat kill and stuff. Gotcha. Man, that's that's awesome. I guess, well, unless you walk into a cat when you're walking yeah. through the woods. But, but, <laughs> that's not awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. Cool. If you get him on trail camera, it'd be cool to have one on trail yeah. camera. Oh, you know, yeah. That would be cool. 
Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> well, uh, my number three plays into what you were talking about just a little bit. Uh, you were talking about how, you know, you're getting pictures of bucks on those licking branches that you weren't getting on your feeders and stuff. And, uh, yep. my number, my number three is basically that, you know, trail cameras can reveal a lot, but they don't reveal everything. Um, exactly. This year I bought, uh, I bought four new Tacticam cell cams, uh, which I, I highly recommend. I loved them. Um, and, uh, but anyway, so I went in at one time and, and set all four of them up and, uh, they were all sending me pictures. I was loving it. They were all, uh, yeah, they were all four on feeders and, um, but anyway, this one camera, it just, I wasn't getting pictures very often. And so in my mind, I just assumed that is because there wasn't that many deer there. And, uh, so I, I wasn't hunting that spot because I was, you know, I was relying on that camera. The camera was, you know, telling me that there weren't deer there, so I wasn't hunting it. And then I, I went to that spot for, I think I went to there to, uh, to check the feeder, like right around, it was late October. I think it was during muzzleloader season. And, uh, and I know, like, you know, I walked in the, in front of the camera and I was doing the, the, when I messing with the feeder and everything. And I noticed that it never sent a picture and all the other ones when I was messing with the feeder, it sent a picture while I was there. And so just kind of for, you know, curiosity, I, I pulled the card and put it in the computer and there were hundreds of pictures on that camera that had not sent. <laughs> and come to find out it was just kind of in a low spot and it wasn't so, you know, every once in a while I would get service and send a few pictures but for the most part, it just didn't have service. And yeah. like a few days before that, there were two really good shooters on there. Actually, one of them was the eight point that I talked about right before this. And then the other one, I don't know if you've heard me talk about my 2% buck. Uh, he, this year was a seven and a half year old. Uh, he in the past was, was right around that booner status this year. He kind of, you know, with the drought and everything, he, he took a few steps back. Um, but both yeah. of them had been on that camera in the last couple days and I just had no idea because I was basically, you know, I was relying on it too much, especially cell cameras. Uh, you know, if you yeah. have a, a regular camera, at mm-hmm. least you're in there, you know, checking it, you know, the actual card every once in a while. But even then, you know, I've I've seen deer walk right behind them. I've seen them, you know, I, I can't say I've ever seen one like, like physically skirt, you know, like look at a camera and go around or realize that it was there. But deer, just, yeah. especially mature bucks, they're not going to take the exact same path every single time. And so... No. Trail cameras are great. Like I still use them. I still rely on them a lot, but you kind of have to just keep in mind that they're not telling the whole story. No, they cover like 10% of an area. I mean, mm-hmm. 60 foot in front of them and, you know, 20 foot wide, they have to walk mm-hmm. right in front of it. I mean, yep. that's why I've been, last year I ran, I ran like two or three cameras on around each mm-hmm. of my feeders and around, it's not right on my feeder, but around them and stuff. Mm-hmm. Just for that reason, so I'm trying to I'm trying to catch to see when one of the big boys are at a certain spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I remember just talking about it. I I meant to do it. I just I kind of ran out of cameras this year, so I was trying to <laughs> it's really easy to do. I, I know, I know. I was trying to really hone in on that uh that two percent bucket. So I I was putting a bunch in kind of the same area, but uh yeah, I meant to put like I I actually. I was going to put one, like on one of the wooden posts around my feeder pen, I was going to put one facing the feeder and I was going to put one facing out. Because just hunting yeah. that spot, you know, I've watched deer skirt the outside of the pen and I'd actually jump in. Uh, but yeah, I, of course I didn't get to it, so. But uh, yeah, that's, uh, what was that for me? Number That was number three for me, so uh, you got a number three for us? Yeah, um, 
man, just like you down south, the drought. What man? Uh, um, the drought where we were at was like a what they call it, like a class four drought, which was back in like the Dust Bowl days. Yeah. So like I had I had like all these deer patterns pretty good before right before season because um, of the drought man the the drought and it changed a bunch of uh, it changes a bunch of stuff a drought really does um, our farmers were having to move cattle from one one pasture to the next and you know where all the ponds were um, and I think there's a lot of bucks that didn't show up this year that usually show up during the rut that I noticed from the years past or from the year past that were there. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they were alive unless they didn't make it through the winter. Um, but I think they moved on to better water. Mm. So during, during this season, I was hunting a flat that I had all these bucks coming to last November, November before last, which would be 21. And so I'm there this year waiting now I'm on this flat. I'm hunting and I've got, tons of deer coming in there and I went, I'm trying to hunt these bucks that come in that don't stay on our property and I can hunt some of the bucks that do stay on our property, you know, late season, you know? So one thing I did notice about the drought is a lot of the bucks that I did have on camera that were shooters were breaking their antlers. They're, they're real brittle. They were a uh, couple of shooters broke off during uh, velvet when they were rubbing, uh, they broke off just right before pre-rut breaking off. So that, that eliminated a few off there. Um, and I got stubborn this year, I, I, and I know I should have moved, but I, I was just hunting this flat. I knew these bucks were going to come in there, and they didn't. They didn't show up. I mean, I had probably eight or nine bucks that were should have been shooters this year that, didn't, that lived on another property that come to us during the rut, and they didn't show up for whatever reason. I'm going to say it has to do with the drought because it was so dry that they, they pushed off. And I would talked to another guy that has a lease down there close to me, and, and – uh, without him knowing how my season went, you know, and was going, he was talking to me and he was like, man, I just, the bucks that I had last year that come in here during the rut, he's like, they didn't, they didn't show up. They didn't, they didn't show back up. I don't know what happened, you know, and it's the same thing. What happened with me, the bucks that I was hunting and banking on coming in that I wanted to hunt that I had on camera last year, they never showed up. And I sat there and I hunted too long in one spot during the hardcore of the rut. I was seeing good, don't get me wrong. I was seeing good bucks and I was, I was passing really good deer. I was just, had my mindset on these other bucks that should be in there that should be that were going to be studs and they never showed up now it could have been something completely different but i'm thinking it was the drought and how mm-hmm. the water issue and the food issue down there was it was so bad that they pushed onto a different place and never never made it back mm-hmm. um and I, another thing that i noticed with the drought is a lot of my buck shooter bucks that i was going to hunt all my place that i plan on hunting late season like in December and January, they started shedding earliest buck when my buck started shedding was December twelfth. Wow. And then they then it was just one right after another almost instantly. I'd get on camera, another one shed, another one shed, another one. So I had quite a few bucks shed before before Christmas time that were shooters. Wow. Wow. Man. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And I've never I've never seen that before, but I've also never never hunted in a drought as bad as it was down there this year. I mean, it was yeah. really bad. Even though we mm-hmm. had mineral, we had food out for them and stuff. I still think that drink uh, having fresh water to drink and the minerals in that fresh water, I think that has something to do with help. I don't know. I could be completely wrong, but I, I just that's what I wanted to believe, you know. And I think the deer will, will move move to that move to other areas that are mm-hmm. not in such a bad drought, you know. And so. Now, if we do have another bad drought again, I know kind of how to 
I know how to play my deer a little bit better and where they're going to be at. And if they put more cows in a certain area, I know how to, how, where the deer are going to move, the deer are going to push the deer, the cows are going to push the deer a certain way. They're going to travel different. So I know how to hunt, hunt that area different. Um, I know that if it's a bad drought, my bucks are going to shed super early. So I need to try to hunt them a little bit harder earlier and instead of waiting on these bucks that come in, that they're not going to come in. So I learned a lot this year with the drought, I believe. It, it really threw us for a loop, but we got her figured out now, I do believe. Yeah, and that, that's great to, you know, not only make those op- observations, but, yeah, remember them for the future, like you were talking about, in case it, you know, very well could happen again. I, I sure hope not. It, yes, uh, yeah, I hope not. <laughs> it it definitely threw a kink in my plane as well. Like, you know, that back area I was talking about on our place, we we usually only put the cows back there one time a year. It's usually after the first of the year. It kind of gives my brother a little break around the holidays and stuff, so, you know, he doesn't have to feed and everything. Um, but yeah. this last year, like you were saying, because of the drought, you know, there's all this nice, luscious grass back there. And so, uh, you know, he turned the cows out back there. And, of course, they ate down my food plots and everything. But, but <laughs> yeah, what what hurt me the most was just the cover that they ate down. Because normally there's a bunch of, you know, big blue stem and Indian grass that's, you know, real tall and thick and makes those deer feel secure. But the cows ate all that yeah. down. And so, yeah, it really changed how they use the property because they just, they didn't feel as comfortable being out in those open areas like they normally would be. So yeah. Yeah, I, you're I, right. And that's the, that's the same thing that happened on our place. But you said mm-hmm. the cows, they ate, ate all that cover stuff down too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, for, I, I know it's a uh, kind of weird of us being, you know, complaining about our, how it hurt our deer hunting when there's farmers <laughs> and ranchers that were in yeah. you know, serious uh, financial <laughs> circumstances, you know, being threatened. But, uh, but yeah, it, yeah, I mean, just for everybody's sake, Oh, you know, we've been getting a lot of rain these last few weeks, and uh, but I feel like and I almost hate to say this, but like I need to walk on, knock on wood, but I feel like that's how it's been the last couple of years. We've gotten a whole lot of early rain, and then all of a sudden one day it just turns off, and you know we end up having these real dry summers. So I, I hope that's not the new norm yep. for us. And you know, and, and like down there where I'm at, those bit like I said, the elevation change is so mm. drastic with the mountains, like. We would have a storm coming in, raining, and those mountains would just steer it right around our lease, yeah. or it'd split it and go right around it. Just how, and then so it was. We didn't get much rain, but hopefully, like you said, this summer we get more rain, and well, we're like you said, we get a lot early. And it seems like last year the same thing. Year before that was the same thing. A lot real exactly. early, and just dry, dry for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Oh man. Yep crossed my fingers already so. all right well <laughs> yeah. we're uh let's see here i think we got, i got i got one more quick one and then uh I, if you got another quick one we i think we got time for about one more each so uh okay. this is going to be a little bit uh off balance of everything else but so this year i took up uh the trad bow and ended up not hunting with it near as much as i planned on just uh you know i've talked about with the baby and everything i just didn't get to hunt as much and so when I did get to hunt, I was like, well, you know, I don't necessarily want to limit myself to the longbow. Um, but still been shooting it, still plan on hunting with it this this coming year. And so this is just a, a quick uh, trad bow tip for the people. One thing that I fell into just from my inexperience was uh, I was I was shooting a lot over the summer, in the spring especially. Uh, once the baby came in uh, July, you know, I fell off a little bit, but I picked it back up before the season and was feeling good. But one thing I kind of caught myself with right before hunting season was, you know, I basically had my one target in the backyard, and uh, I shot at that same target over and over again. I was shooting different distances and everything. But when you're shooting 
traditional archery, you know, you don't have that pin or anything. Like I, I'm gap shooting, so I know I need this much distance between my arrow and the where I'm trying to hit at this distance. I need this much uh, gap at this distance. Uh, but one thing I figured out was when I'm shooting at the same target over and over again, I basically just learned where to aim on that target and not what my actual gap needed to be. Um, and so I, I figured that out when I, uh, I went before the season started. Actually, no, I think it was opening day. I kind of really found this out. I, I shot at a hog, and it was a perfect, like, 15-yard shot, and I ended up shooting low. And uh, so that was kind of a hard knock lesson. And so when I came home, I started. I got to where every day or two I'd turn my target. Like, I'd turn it on its side so it changed that gap, or I'd set it on top of another target or something like that. And basically, I just you, you always have to be changing up that sight picture so you learn your actual gap and not just where to aim to hit where you want to. Yeah, and so for Tradbow, what I had to learn was, man, when I'd shoot, get home, I'd shoot on the ground, and then I'd go hunting in a tree stand, and I'd be shooting way off. So, yeah. I mean, if I'm going to shoot in a stand, i got to shoot out of a stand. That was definitely probably part of my problem. I, I wasn't super high. I was probably only 8 to 10 feet, but that was that was my very first uh, shot. Uh, shooting from an elevated position but i was planning for deer i was planning to be on the ground uh so what i did was under uh, i got a couple new uh, box blinds this year because i've talked about it on here we, we don't have any trees our entire almost our entire place was clear cut in like 2008 so i have very few wow. trees i can yeah hang a tree stand in so this year got a couple box blinds uh just so to you know give me a few more options uh and basically what I, you know i use four by fours to lift the blind up and then I took old scrap pieces of plywood and built a little box around the bottom so I can get in there with my longbow and just cut a little bitty hole out the front. Um, so <laughs> that's that's not super hardcore, you know, traditional archery hunting. But uh, for getting started, you know, it's, it's something. No, so, yeah, heck yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, that, that was my plan. But like I said, I ended up not – I think I hunted with it maybe three or four times. Uh, but that's definitely next year, definitely going to be a little bit more of a priority. And I was talking to somebody about it, and they were like, man, like if, you, if you're if you really going to dedicate – I think it was the guy from Top of Texas Outfitters, Scotty. He was like, if you're really going to dedicate yourself to the longbow, you almost have to sell your compound. So that's the only yeah. option you have. You need to practice with it all year, then just try to get a dough or two right at, right at the mm. first of the season. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's what I told myself I was going to do, and it just didn't happen. So, <laughs> uh, You have the right to the best wireless service. Bravado Wireless provides the best mobile wireless, high-speed internet, latest devices, and customer service at prices you feel good about. Bravado Wireless strives to put these values first, and offer you the best wireless service available. See what they have to offer at bravadowireless.com or one of their retail locations in eastern Oklahoma. Let Bravado Wireless connect you to your family, friends, and business partners all over the world. Bravado Wireless, the power of connection. All right, you got uh, you got one more for us before we get out of here? Yeah, I got, I got, I got one quick one. Okay. Uh, it's kind of on the same topic uh, a little bit. Um, Everybody, when when season, you know, right before season, they're shooting their bow, shooting their bow constantly. And um, I, I do this, I do this. I'm at fault with this. Is I get to hunting, I'm grinding every day. You know, I, I take off pretty much all of November. I'm, you know, bows in my truck. You know, and I try to be. I'm watching. You know, I'm careful with it. And uh, to my stand, back to my truck, nonstop going, getting up early, getting in late. Um, 
and I don't, you don't shoot your bow. Mm-hmm. And you think, oh, my bow's good. I haven't touched it. You know, I'm watching it, you know. But you need to take a time or make, make yourself shoot your bow at least once or twice throughout those, you know, especially if you're on, like, a trip. Because I, I, I took the time, and, and um, I try to do this. I'm not the greatest at taking my time. But I, I, uh, before one hunt, I was like, this buck's coming at this yard. I've seen him crossing at 40 yards. I'm hunting him tonight at this place. So I went and I shot my bow at 40 yards. Just mm-hmm. I wanted to make practice, just make sure before I went in this evening hunt. Mm-hmm. I had some time off. I didn't. I wasn't hunting all day that day. I can't remember why. Why I wasn't. I think my brother came down and I was helping him out with some stuff. So when I shot my bow, I was shooting uh, about eight inches to the right. And what had happened somehow, my knob that holds it, my my. Uh, scope tight from turning mm-hmm. my little my little like a uh, minute knob you use fine tune knob somehow that it barely came loose and my knob it was turning when i, if I just rubbed something it would turn mm-hmm. it it's i was so i was shooting eight inches to the right hmm. and if i wouldn't have shot and i would have got a shot at that buck that night or even throughout the rest of the season and me not shooting that i would have been way off so mm-hmm. man when you're grinding out there and you're, and you're going four five six seven days in a row throwing your your bow in your in your truck or mm. in a case even if you're it's in a case and you know and i have a case that sets them on, on the back of my seat and um then i'm real careful with my stuff yeah and, i mean people getting into side-by-side spoilers and that vibration anything so it's good man if i can say anything shoot your bow at least a, you know a couple times throughout the season just to make sure that everything's good to go yeah for sure for sure and one thing that i like to said there's also is just make sure you're taking care of your bow uh, you know, when you're, like I said, riding in the truck or whatever, uh, I actually had a, a good buddy of mine who I won't rat out on here, but, uh, <laughs> I, I watched him one time, you know, he set his bow in his back seat and then he threw his backpack on top of it. And I could tell, oh. I could tell it was kind of flexing his arrows a little bit and stuff, but I, you know, yeah. I, I didn't say anything. I just was trying to mind my own business and he ended up wounding one uh, a couple days later. And I, you know, I, I kind of brought it up after that, like, Hey, you know, you need to make you know, need he, he was somewhat of a yeah. newer, newer bow hunter and stuff. He just didn't know any better. So, yeah, you know, a lot of times when folks are at home, you know, they have a spot where they hang it or set it, and it's usually safe. But you know, when you're tri- yeah. traveling back and forth to the lease or whatever, or yeah, in the side by side or four wheeler, whatever it might be, you got to make sure you're really protecting that thing. Man, what I found is like, it's some guys don't want to carry a, a case because it's big and bulky and it's tough getting in and out of their back seat. Is mm-hmm. they make a. Um, like a case that fits on the back of your seat. It's not really a case, but it's like a seat cover. It fits on the back of your seat mm-hmm. and it holds your bow right against the back of your seat mm-hmm. and it keeps your strings and everything nice and tight. Yeah. And I, I, that's what I have in my truck. That's what my bow stays in 24 mm-hmm. seven. Most of the time, so that's when I'm traveling to Kansas and stuff. Yeah. But, but at my least, I would just land it on top of my backpack. Mm-hmm. You know, when I got in and getting in and out, I wasn't taking the time to, I was just late and in a hurry, mm-hmm. ready to get back to camp tired been in the stand all day you know so i mean eventually the vibration in the truck riding bouncing you know it's gonna loosen stuff up Mm -hmm. and it's good to check it you need to check that stuff it's it's important you cost it could cost you a deer of a lifetime that's for sure absolutely yeah something something so simple can really uh ruin your season quickly if you don't take care of it exactly Uh yep awesome well, cool, man. Well, I think that's gonna just about do it for us. Uh, but man, I, I really appreciate you coming on, and uh, yeah, you had a lot of good ones there that a little bit a uh, little bit different. So I enjoyed that. I'm, I'm glad we uh, got to do this. 
Oh man, I'm just glad you called and asked me to to come on. I always I always enjoy coming on and talking to you. Yep, absolutely. Uh, do you want to uh, give yourself a little shout out for social media and stuff? Uh, you know, if people like what they're hearing, where they, where can they find you? Yeah, man, I got a I got a little YouTube channel. I got some videos on there that they might like. It's uh, Defy Outdoors uh, at YouTube and uh, Defy Outdoors at Instagram, and uh, you can follow my personal page, Joshua Randall on uh, Instagram and Facebook. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, as always, this was a great conversation. I really appreciate you coming on. And, man, good luck with that uh, that little baby that's coming. <laughs> I think I'm going to need it. <laughs> yep, yep. You can make it through. Uh, you know, tell Sarah that uh, you'll do a lot up until hunting season. Then she might be, you know, pulling some double duty. But uh, y'all, y'all figure it out. I did. So y'all get it figured <laughs> out. So. Yeah, uh, we will. <laughs> well, cool, man. She's got well, me. She's got me building the blind. Uh, I got. She got me building the blind to where we can insulate it and we can oh, take nice. the baby in there with nice. a with a fan or a heater. Uh-huh. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. Put a uh, put some soundproofing stuff in there too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool, man. Well, yeah, like I said, I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. And uh, until next time, I guess we'll talk to you later. Thanks, John. I appreciate it, man. It's always good. All right, folks, that's going to put a bow on the What Did You Learn series. Uh, Thank you guys for checking it out. If y'all enjoyed it, please reach out and let me know because we might do it again next year or we might do it after turkey season, something like that. Uh, If you thought it was a drag and you hated it, also let me know because I won't do it again. So uh, thank you, Josh, for uh, closing us out. I did think of one more quick reminder I wanted to let you guys know of. Uh, It is application season. So uh, I know Wyoming has already opened, might have already closed even if you're actually applying to hunt. Um, If you just want to get a preference point, don't worry. That's later this summer, along with uh, Montana and a few other states. I think Utah's open right now. Uh, I think Kansas and Iowa are both in April, along with Oklahoma. So, uh, yeah, basically, if that's your thing, if that's something you're trying to do, just make sure you're doing your homework. Set a reminder on your phone, because I can tell you from firsthand experience, uh, when you forget and you miss that date, it is insanely frustrating because that just means you have to wait a whole nother year. And with point creep, maybe even another two years before you can go on that hunt. So yeah, don't forget your preference points. And uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode, guys. So lucky number 113. Thanks for sticking it out with me. Thanks for following along with the series. And until next time, I will see you guys right back here on the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast. <laughs>